This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the Talk Radio Network at ctalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. And uh, this week, I'm going to start with a little bit of audio for you guys to listen to. Uh, This comes from a television program that uh, uh, it's a police detective drama. And it's uh, some of you older listeners will maybe recognize the voices that you hear in this. I'm not going to give too much of it away, um, but I'll I'll talk more about exactly who's involved uh, after I play the clip. But it's uh, it's two detectives uh, lecturing a a group of teenage boys. It's just three teenage boys. Uh, And, um, yeah, it's it's just something I found interesting, and I I would like to... Play the clip for you now. It takes about three minutes. Um, just uh, have a listen, and and hopefully I don't mess anything up. <laughs> okay, uh, here's the clip. I'll talk about it on the on the flip flop. Okay, uh, here you go. You just don't understand. Maybe we do, son. Don't think you have a corner on all of virtue vision in the country, or that everybody else is fat and selfish and you're the first generation to come along that's felt dissatisfied. They all have, you know, about different things, and most of them didn't have the same opportunity and freedoms that you do. Let's talk poverty. Most places in the world, that's not a problem. It's a way of life. And rights? They're liable to give you a blank stare because they may not know what you're talking about. The fact is, more people are living better right here than anywhere else ever before in history. So don't expect us to roll over and play dead when you say you're dissatisfied. It's not perfect, but it's a great deal better than when we grew up. A hundred men standing in the street hoping for one job, selling apples on the street corner. That's one of the things we were dissatisfied about, and you don't see that much anymore. You're taller, stronger, healthier, better educated, and you live longer than the last generation. And we don't think that's altogether bad. You've probably never seen a quarantine sign in your neighbor's door. Diphtheria, scarlet fever, whooping cough. Probably none of your classmates are crippled with polio. You don't see many mastoid scars anymore. We've done quite a bit of fighting all around the world. Whether you think it was moral or not, a lot of people are free today to make their own mistakes because of it. And that may just include you. I don't know. Maybe part of it's the fact that you're in a hurry. You've grown up on instant orange juice. Flip a dial, instant entertainment. Dial seven digits, instant communication. Turn a key, push a pedal, instant transportation. Flash a card, instant money. Shove in a problem, push a few buttons, instant answers. But some problems you can't get quick answers to no matter how much you want them. We took a little boy into Central Receiving Hospital yesterday. He was four years old. He weighs eight and a half pounds. His parents just haven't bothered to feed him. Now, give me a fast answer to that one. One that'll stop that from ever happening again. And 
if you can't settle that one, what about the 55,000 Americans who will die on the highways this year? That's nearly six or seven times the number that'll get killed in Vietnam. Why aren't you up in arms about that? Or is dying in a car somehow moral? Tell me how to wipe out prejudice. I'll settle for just the prejudices you have inside yourselves. Show me how to get rid of the unlimited capacity for human beings to make themselves believe that they're somehow right and justified in stealing from somebody or hurting somebody. And you'll just about put this place here out of business. I don't think that we're telling you to lose your ideals or your sense of outrage. They're the only way things ever get done. And there's a lot that still needs doing. And we hope you'll tackle it. You don't have to do anything dramatic like trying to come up with a better country. You can find enough to keep you busy right here. While you're at it, don't break things up in the name of progress or crack a placard stick over somebody's head to help him see the light. Be careful of his rights, because your property and your person and your rights aren't any better than his. And next time, you may be the one to get it. We remember a man who killed six million people and called it social improvement. So hang in. Don't try to build a new country. Make the old one work. It has for over 400 years. And by the world's standards, that's hardly more than yesterday. Okay, oh, hang on a second. (laughs) I was about to say, okay, boomer. Only thing is, that is a clip from the the classic TV cop show, um, Dragnet. Uh, Dragnet was on tell. It was first. It started out as a as a radio program for quite a while, and then it was on uh, television uh, starting in 1951 and it ran through 1959, and then it was revived in 1967 and ran until 1970. That's the time period in which this clip comes from. So as I was, you know, the the urge listening to these older fellows lecturing the the, the teenagers, the urge is to say, you know, to fall in with uh, with uh, the uh, the the trend today, uh, to push back and say, okay, boomer. Except the thing is, the the teenagers who are getting lectured in that in that clip are the boomers. They're the boomers. <laughs> And it's it's just I mean it's 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 demonstrating, and uh, um, uh, the character that does uh, most of the talking uh, that's uh, Sergeant Joe Friday. He's played by Jack Webb. Uh, he's he even says it in there somewhere uh, about you know every generation. You know this is a, it's like it's it's like a generational thing where you know it goes there's dissatisfied and there's the you know the older generation kind of thing. And, um, and and the thing is, um, they're not exactly uh, the other character that you hear in there is uh, uh, um, Officer Bill Gannon, and he was played by Harry Morgan, who you might know better from uh, Mash as Colonel Potter. Uh, Harry uh, Morgan sort of gives a little bit of a pep talk, and so does so I mean I should say Gannon does a little bit of a pep talk and so does so does uh, Friday by saying you know look we're not telling you to give up your ideals or your outrage just uh, they're essentially saying you know channel it better uh, and and so the, and and some of the stuff they talk about I don't necessarily disagree with but I just found it so interesting that um, well in in the fact that the, that this clip came to my attention through Facebook, and it was shared by somebody that was not understanding that it was, it, I, I believe it was, they shared it thinking, yeah, 
Yeah, take that, kids. You should be listening to this. You know, kids, you should be listening to this and not realizing that in the clip, I mean, you know, kids today should be hearing this lecture. In the clip, it was the boomers that were hearing that lecture. Um, you know, so it's just, I guess the kids could have, uh, in, the, in, the, in the clip, could have said, uh, okay, graders, <laughs> because that generation uh, that uh, um, Gannon and Friday were from, assuming that the characters are the same age as the actors, um, they're, they're from the generation that's known as the GI generation or the greatest generation. Uh, the greatest generation has been more recently adopted in naming this particular generation, um, and it was it, it was taken from uh, um, uh, Tom Brokaw's book. You know, Tom Brokaw wrote a book some years ago in which he he uh, he lauds such praise upon the the generation of Americans who grew up during the Depression and then fought in one World War Two. Uh, you know, he's just he's got he gets uh, his pants fit tighter when he thinks of that generation, and uh, and he, you know, and they did great stuff. And I I think I, I think to be fair to every generation, I think they rise to the level of whatever challenge is given them. Uh, you know, maybe maybe the boomer generation didn't have quite the challenge that uh, uh, that the you know the GI generation had in that uh, a depression and um, you know and then a, a world war to deal with those are pretty high on the level of, of challenges but uh, you know, they had they had a, a, a challenge to you know put a man on the moon they had uh, they had the challenge of uh, fighting for civil rights they and they had the challenge of ending a, a, a very unpopular war um, you know they, they you know, they had those challenges, and this, you know, and so, you know, maybe not quite at the same level, but you know, Vietnam—that's a war, uh, dealing with that kind of thing. So, I just found it so interesting, and just telling that it's just—it's this is a, an attitude that gets handed down from generation to generation. <laughs> it's just you kids don't get it. Uh, but there were some other things I wanted to mention. Uh, I wanted to point out in there. Uh, you know, Sergeant Joe Friday goes on about, "Oh, maybe you guys are just in a hurry. You got the instant orange juice and instant entertainment. You know, turn a switch, instant entertainment. You know, turn on your TV, and dial seven digits, and you got instant communication. You know, phones. <laughs> you know, in my day, kids." We had to pick up this old. There was a. We had a phone, but we had to pick up this receiver, hold it to our ear, and talk into this other thing, and uh, and uh, talk to Mabel, who would connect us to. Uh, you know, so I, it took a little time, and not everybody had a phone, and and sometimes you had to actually go to their house and give them the message. You know, it's it's it, if if only Sergeant Joe Friday could see the uh, the uh, the device that I played that clip across this microphone to you guys and we got the computer the laptop sitting here in front of me and the, the kind of TVs we got now and the, the instant information and instant connection and all that kind of stuff texting and such I mean yeah <laughs> getting even faster so so you know phones with a cord and and a ring that was just a, a ring you know uh, George Robb um, 
does the podcast Geologic Podcast had written a song when I was your age, and he said there wasn't we didn't have a ringtone. The sound of the phone was just the sound of the phone. It was just a ring. You know, that's that's it was a bell ringing. You know, kind of, a, but it sounded like the phone. You know, that, that's there was yeah. So you know, things change. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so there was a couple of things that I did want to uh, explore within within the stuff that they talk about in that clip. Uh, he mentions, um, uh, Friday mentions 55,000 deaths on the highways. Or, or is, you know, dying in a car honorable? You know, more than the, than the you know, in the next year they expected, or within that year they expected 55,000 highway deaths, which was, you know, six or seven times more deaths than it's going to come, uh, American deaths anyway, in Vietnam, you know, in a war. Uh, and I thought, I looked at that, well, huh, let's look that up. So I used the Wikipedia, found found that. I did not find 55,000 uh, in that time period of 1967 to 1970, uh, but the numbers weren't all that far away. And in 1972, the number I found was, um, was uh, 54,589 deaths. <clears throat> So that's close, and, it, and, and the year is close enough uh, between friends. And that has gotten better. It's gotten a lot better when you consider uh, some more numbers than just the, 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 the raw numbers. Um, in 2017, the most recent uh, year they had in there that had a, 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 a series of numbers, that to, to, to explain what's going on here, uh, the number of, of uh, highway deaths was uh, or or traffic related deaths was thirty seven thousand one hundred thirty three, uh, and so it, but they also give you other numbers like uh, the population in nineteen seventy two of the United States was about two hundred ten million people. Uh, the population in twenty seventeen in the United States is is about was about three hundred twenty six million. So you can see that. Not only did the raw numbers go down, but then when you look at it compared to the population, how much smaller that number is in a percentage of the of the population. Um, then what's the other numbers I have on here? Um, the the number of deaths per uh, per miles, you know, it's that uh, miles driven. So for every, in 1972, for every 1,259 miles driven, you would have one death. Worked out to that. Uh, as opposed to uh, in, in 2017, every 3,213 miles, there was one death. So again, the numbers go even smaller. And then they said um, number of deaths per million people. Uh, the in 1972 was 4.33 deaths per 1 million people, and in in 2017 it was 1.16. So it even it's really small. It's a very small number. Uh, so things have gotten better. Uh, back in the day that. Uh, that uh, Jack Webb slash Joe Friday was lecturing these kids about traffic deaths. They didn't seatbelts weren't as uh, weren't as common. Uh, uh, child safety seats didn't exist or barely existed. Uh, you had uh, you know cars were not quite as safe 
as they're built today. Uh, it, it's you know you had lots of things uh, different that um, elements that have gotten better over the years and and this also reflects something that Pendulet says all the time on his podcast which he says you know, one there's two constants in the world is that uh, uh, one constant is that things are always getting better and the other constant is that people always think that they're getting worse so um, and you know listen to his podcast if you wanted to expand upon that but I just thought well things are getting better. But we seem to have this perception that things are getting worse. And part of that is due to how much news we are able to consume. And and there was a couple things that um, uh, uh, Harry Morgan slash Bill Gannon said in, the, uh, in his bit of the lecture. He talked about, you, you, you kids probably haven't seen houses in your neighborhoods with, the, with quarantine signs in the window. And you, you know, probably don't know about cases you know, of whooping cough and, and those kinds of things. And, and you probably don't know any kids in your class that are crippled by uh, polio. And, you know, and that you know, speaks to how things have gotten better because of vaccination. Uh, vaccination has stopped these kinds of things. And when these guys were kids, this was not uncommon. And now we see, we find ourselves sort of slipping back a little bit because of the anti-vax movement has has caused fear among people who just don't have the information uh, or trust the information that's given to them by, you know, by science. Uh, they are stopping vaccinating their kids or they're delaying the vaccinations or vaccinating themselves. And now we're seeing some of these diseases that were practically gone from the world starting to make a resurgence. And the resurgence may hopefully lead to something good being, oh, this is a real thing. And maybe we should not listen to Jenny McCarthy and go get ourselves and our kids vaccinated. Uh, you know, when the Somali community here in the Twin Cities was hit pretty hard with a measles outbreak within the last couple of years, uh, from what, I, what the news about, you know, in the aftermath, vaccination rates went went way up in that community because they, you know, they, they realized that uh, they shouldn't be listening to the scaremongering about the vaccinations and say, well, you know, measles is worse than being afraid of getting autism, which you can't from a vaccine or whatever other fears that they, they throw into the vaccines. Uh, but so, yeah, I mean, that's showing you in that little bit there, it's showing you how things have gotten better, even, you know, even since 1970. And he mentioned mastoid scars. And I didn't know what a mastoid scar was. Let's see, I think I wrote it down or have it uh, printed out here. That explains what a mastoid scar is, or at least why there are such th were such things as mastoid scars. He says you don't see them very much anymore. And um, it's a scar that's left behind from a uh, mastoidectomy. It's a, it's a surgical procedure that removes diseased mastoid air cells. Uh, the mastoid is the part of the skull located behind your ear. It's filled with air cells uh, made of bone and looks like a, like a honeycomb. Uh, the diseased cells are often the result of an ear infection that has spread into your skull. The procedure can also be used to remove an abnormal growth of the ear known as a uh, cholestetoma. Cholest I think cholestetoma. 
I'm not sure exactly how you say it. But um, so apparently, they've you know ear infections have gotten to be less and less. So you see, you don't see that scar because the, the procedure is not being done as much as anymore. So that's improvement. So things are getting better, even from that lecture. But really, when I saw that, and the fact that it was shared on Facebook as sort of a kids today need to hear this lecture. And I realize, you know, the, the response might be okay, boomer, but it was the boomers that were being lectured in that, in that video clip. Isn't that something? I think that's something. Uh, let's see. Am I pat? How long have I been on this thing? Oh, I'm past. I'm ready for my break. So uh, I'll take the first break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network. Uh, I will return uh, as soon as this break ends. Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Valtor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Station that beats all the competition, and we'll prove it as soon as we hear any competition. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim, and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Uh, I am your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. Do you want to hear something really stupid? Uh, this is from the Stupid Files. Uh, <clears throat> this uh, article comes from uh, the uh, New York Post, and it's dated uh, November 26, 2019. Uh, the article is written by Hannah Firstberg. Or Hannah, but I think it's probably Hannah Firstberg. And I'm just going to read this article to you. Here you go. The hottest trend gripping wellness diehards is tanning their cans, or perineum sunning, as influencers are calling it. In a mere 30 seconds of sunlight on your butthole, you will receive more energy from this electric node than you would in an entire day being outside with your clothes on, 
says an influencer who goes by Ra of Earth. In a viral video that has racked up more than 35,000 views, he gestures toward the sun as three naked men lie down, point their backsides to the sky, and make sounds of pleasure. <clears throat> Ra of Earth has also posted a step-by-step -step sun worship exercise pulled from the Tao of Sexology, the Book of Infinite Wisdom by Dr. Stephen T. Chang that says the practice uh, can keep or help keep the area healthy and free of germs. Chang and Ra of Earth aren't the only ones either. Other influencers appear to be just as inspired to catch some uh, some ultra vile rays. Um, that's a play on word that Firstberg put in there. Ultra vile instead of ultraviolet. <laughs> but it's it's not the rays that are vile. It's the act of these people what they're doing. Anyway. Um, 30 seconds of direct sunlight injection to the oral orifice, I'm sorry, an anal orifice uh, is equivalent to being outside in the sun all day, writes influencer Troy Casey. One Californian claims butt-chugging vitamin D not only helps her sleep better, but helps to regulate her hormones. For the past few weeks, I have included sunning my bum and Yanni uh, <clears throat> into my daily rising routine. A woman who goes by Metaphysical Megan, uh, she captions in an image of herself fully naked on a rock. Megan says she first learned about perineum sunning through her study of Taoism and has recently given up her morning cup of coffee in favor of sunning her anus. The phenomenon caught the wider internet's attention after one Twitter user posted Megan's photo and caption to the tune of more than 84,000 likes. Of course, you put a naked woman on the internet and people are going to like the image. Uh, you, what you see in the image, and I'll link to this article, which you can get to by going to the show notes, uh, going to the show notes for this show at uh, dimland.com, and click on the blog option. So when you go to this article, you will see the picture of metaphysical Megan lying on her back, completely naked. They've uh, pixelated out her boobs, but she's got her legs up in the air and opened up, and she's holding, you know, she's holding onto her ankles or something while the sun is, you know getting her area. Even A-listers are sunning their bums. Big Little Lies actress Shailene Woodley, who is known for her, for her holistic lifestyle that doesn't even include a TV, has admitted... Now, not having a TV doesn't necessarily make you holistic. It's just part of the things there. I, I, I know someone personally. Uh, I mean, who listens to my show, who doesn't have a TV or doesn't watch TV. So, you know, it's, it's, that's not, you know, the holistic thing. It's just, you know, I, for some reason they threw that in here. Anyway, uh, she has admitted she's also practiced a version of perineum sunning. Another thing I like to do is give my vagina a little vitamin D, she told the, uh, she told Into the Gloss in, um, 2014. I was reading an article written by an herbalist or herbalist. 
I studied about yeast infections and other genital issues. She said there's nothing better than vitamin D. If you're feeling depleted, go in the sun for an hour and see how much energy you get. Or if you live in a place that has heavy winters, when the sun finally comes out, spread your legs and get some sunshine. However, medical professionals, oh, here we come. Here comes the science to poop the party. However, medical professionals are far from convinced the practice has any merit. There is no evidence that sunbathing in this way has any effect on physical well-being. Dr. Dana Gall of UK-based online doctor service doctor for You tells Insider. Yes, practicing mindfulness and meditation and getting your dose of vitamin D is beneficial for mental and physical health, but you don't need to damage your skin in the process from sun exposure, she says. Gall suggests that there are different and safer ways to pr practice mindfulness and adds that there, is, there are no extra benefits to doing this naked in the sun. Oh, my goodness. Now... The pedant in me wants to point out that in the article, they never mention the actual sunning of the perineum. They call it the perineum. You know what the perineum is? Uh, it's colloquially known as the taint. It taints your butthole and it taints your yanni or your balls, depending on your, you know, what you got down there. It's that area between the, the, you know, the butt, no, the butthole, the anus, and the, you know, whatever genitalia you've got. It's that area in between it. It's the skin area between that. Um, I just, I, I, I kind of hoped that this was some hoax, and maybe it, it might, it might be. But see, there was this guy. Uh, I don't know how active he is now, but uh, his name was Joey Skaggs, and he used to put on these pranks on the news media. He would, uh, he'd show up on the news. He'd get he'd come up with an idea. He'd had people that would help him out. He'd have a he'd have a a, a press release that he'd put out to the news media, and the news media would pick up on it because they they want to have interesting stories, and they don't. The, he was showing the gullibility of no of news media, and uh, one of the things he, he did a he did a few things. He did uh, one thing was um, he uh, he came onto the news and, and saying that uh, he was um, he was the owner of a uh, a brothel for dogs. Uh, another time he hoodwinked the news organizations was by uh, coming out, uh, you know, saying that he was some guy that had developed a, a line of uh, vitamins made from cockroaches. And then he did this thing where he, he played a priest who had set up a confessional booth on a bike and he would ride through the streets to take, you know, he'd bring the confessional on wheels. And in in each time he, he, he hoodwinked uh, um, you know, news outlets, and then and then at some point he would let them in on the deal, and they'd have to, you know, they if they if they followed up on it at all, uh, they would apologize, have to apologize. Yeah, we got taken, we got you know, we got spoofed, and so I was thinking, boy, I hope this is one of his things, but uh, I don't think it is. <laughs> this, you know, I can you imagine getting sunburned down there? You know how uncomfortable being sunburned is. Can you imagine? I mean, you know, huh? It's just, it's just dumb. It's just, it's just dumb. I'm sorry to be, 
dismissive toward the people doing this. Of course you feel better if you lie down and you're quiet and you relax. And if you're, you know, the, the warmth of the sun, if it's not super hot out and humid and all that, but in the warmth of the sun, that can feel good. Now, I, you know, I can understand all that. Being naked, nah, I never feel comfortable being naked. So that's just me. But if you're, it's that your thing, you want to be a naturalist and go out and hang out in the sun, that's fine. But just be careful and wear sunscreen and all that. And yes, getting some vitamin D from the sun is, is a good thing. But it's it's just, of course you're going to feel better if you relax. I mean, that's some of the things. Uh, I was just listening to the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe, and they were talking about ac acupuncture. And they were saying that, you know, like much of the alternative medicine type stuff... People feel better because they had a moment where they, they had they had a, the practitioner paying attention to them. They were in a quiet environment, uh, relaxed. Uh, it, it wasn't quite as cold and clinical like it can be when you go to your doctor. And then your doctor might not have that much time to spend with you. But in the alternative medicine field, uh, they they have more time, I guess, to spend with you. And that that makes that all helps to feel well and this mindfulness stuff i guess that's just you know controlling your breathing and trying to uh de-stress and it's a method of doing that and it works for people but i've also heard that it's been studied uh and uh, there's a study's been done and shows that uh you know mindfulness meditation uh, provides about the same amount of relaxation as just watching television but but i'm not you know i'm not knocking it it's just yeah don't don't. That's just dumb. Just, just don't. <laughs> Sun your perineum. But oh, as I was saying, the dependent me, you know, they did not really mention the perineum. They just they they went for the the butthole mostly, getting sun on the butthole. Okay. Uh, uh, what? How much time have I got here? Where am I at here? Boy, am I? I'll put another break. Jesus, quick. Um. Yeah, why don't I do that? I'll take the break, and uh, I was just looking and seeing what I got and what I can what I can cram into the rest of the show. Why don't I do the break now, and uh, when I'm back, I'll get on to something else. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. Remember, I will be back after this break. I didn't have to say I'm a, not really a doctor. I do that at the top of the show, not during the show when I go to break, but uh, I, I must just go to break right now because the music's playing. podcast Tales from the Rabbit Hole, I have extended conversations with people who have been involved in conspiracy culture. I do this for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because it's really interesting. These people have great stories about how they fell down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole, what they did down there, and what it was that helped them out. Sometimes I also talk to people who investigate conspiracy theories, and they have equally fascinating stories from the other side. Secondly, I want to understand how best to prevent the spread of conspiracy theories and misinformation, which is an increasing problem in a time when alternative media is exploding. 
The best way to do this is to communicate effectively with the people involved, and the best way to do that is with a nice long chat. Check it out, Tales from the Rabbit Hole, tftrh.com. This is Tangina. You're gonna give me whiplash looking up there too. I've cleaned many houses, and I don't know what it is that hovers over Dr. Dim's house, but it was strong enough to punch a hole into this world and take his wallet away from him. And I think what we might be dealing with is the beast. Hold on. Did you just say that Dr. Dim doesn't believe in poltergeists, tiny fortune tellers? Or the beast? Well, holy sh! Why the didn't somebody tell me? Anyway, Dr. Dim's a skeptic. He'll be right back on ztalkradio.com. I still think this house is clean. Well, I'll be hornswoggled. You're listening to Ztalk Radio Network. You don't say. Oh, what? You think you went off to college or something? On ztalkradio.com. That's the most amazing thing since Grandma survived the outhouse incident. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. Uh, this past week, uh, one of those internet things, one of those social media things, um, participation things, uh, floated th- through the uh, Facebook. And it was a uh, seven-day book challenge thing. And the idea was uh, that for seven days... Each day you would post just the cover of the book without any comment, and then you would in- invite someone else to post uh, you know, seven books. And there are seven books that you love, or in my case, you love or are quite fond of. <laughs> um, and I hadn't gotten... I'm seeing friends of mine being challenged, and I'm like, well, why aren't any of them challenging me? You know, I, I read books, at least I have, and... <laughs> I can come up with seven books that I love, or at least am quite fond of. I mean, so I challenged myself. So I just went ahead and challenged myself. But I and I followed the example of a, a, a friend of mine who who had been challenged, and he decided rather than doing it one a day, he just picked the seven books, picked seven people, you know, on his you know seven friends on his Facebook. And say, hey, you don't have to participate. If you want to, it's up to you. It's it, but I'm just inviting you, and that kind of thing. No pressure. So uh, I challenged myself. So I put up a list of seven books, and then I put the challenge out to seven Facebook friends, uh, and with again letting them know there's no no pressure. They didn't have to participate if they didn't want to. So I thought I'd tell you the seven books I picked. Uh, I started off with the uh, "Where the Wild Things Are" by Maurice Sendak. Uh, I should link. I should find the show because I um, I talked about this in the past. This book had a, uh, 
a very strong influence on me. Uh, not only as a child learning language and the influence of the story, but uh, the art, the artwork, Marie Sendak's artwork. Uh, I, I credit that as being an early influencer on me uh, and the kind of artist I would become. Um, Sendak, in the, his illustrations for this book, he uses a cross-hatching technique, and I'm a cross-hatcher as well, and I sort of think that maybe that, I, I mean, I can't be absolutely certain, but I think that that's, that's, that's where I got that, uh, to do the cross-hatching. Um, anyway, so, and that, and I, I talked about it on this show where, uh, Adam Carolla had, uh, I believe he was, uh, knocking where the wild things are, uh, when he came up with this, you know, you know, he says all, all children's books writers are, are hacks that couldn't write books for adults, so they, they write for kids, and there are some hacks out there, sure, just as there are some hacks that write for adults. But he he was uh, saying about you know the story was essentially um, Tommy got up one day and then he went outside and he walked and then he walked and he walked some more and he ran into his his uh, into uh, Dino the dinosaur and the two walked and they walked some more and then he ran into uh, the fireman and the fireman says where are you guys going oh we were walking to the museum oh well you guys have fun. And then they walked, and then they walked some more. You know, that's the kind of thing that Adam Carolla was getting from reading, I, I'm assuming, I'm not absolutely certain on this, but uh, it, I'm assuming from where the wild things are, because there's a moment in, in that book where it sounds a little bit like what he's talking about there, but it's not quite. And uh, I, I'll try to find the show to link to it. Um, I'll, I'll see if I can find it, uh, which one it is, and then uh, you know, you'll hear how I I do a comparison of what Corolla thinks was written and what was what was written by Sendak. Now he might have meant a different book. Anyway, next book on my list of influential books or books that I love or you know are, am at least quite fond of, uh, strangely enough, by C. B. Colby. And this is a book uh, I have the abridged version that I got from through the Scholastic Book Program back in grade school, like fourth grade or something like that. And um, it's uh, it's an awesome book. <laughs> Short stories, the urban legend stories, a lot of them. Uh, a lot of them have dates and names and newspaper names and things like that. And uh, so I was, a you know, and the, the hook on the book cover says, is this fact or fiction? Is this real or imagined? And so it, it was that gimmick. But the book... And I've also talked about the on this show. Uh, the book uh, led me to at least getting pushed onto the path of skepticism because I showed this book to a teacher of mine, and I was eating up these stories like they're all true. And I said, I told this teacher, "Hey, look, there's dates and stuff, and there's names of people, and there's and there's na names of newspapers and all this kind of stuff." And he uh, he read the book or at least parts of it, and then he gave it back to me and he said, "Well, it's kind of a gimmick." Uh, the author knows that you're not going to go out and research this and follow it up. So it, the the adding of this kind of detail just makes it seem more believable. So he, you should be skeptical, although I don't think he actually word does, used the word skeptical, but that's what he was telling me. So, But it's really great. It's great. It's got a great illustration on the cover, and I'll, I'll link to stuff so you can check it out. Uh, the next book I wrote on here was The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. just went with the first book of the uh, four-part trilogy. Uh, and it, it, I just uh, I just like it. Uh, I've, I think I've read it just the once or twice. Just I just I, you know, but it did have an influence on me. I liked it. It was funny and the, the, the you know, 
satire to it, and, and it's, it's, it's good fun. Uh, next book is called uh, Before I Get Old, The Story of the Who, written by Dave Marsh. It's a big, thick book. I read it, and it's all about the Who, about the band. Uh, you don't get too much of their private life, personal life kind of thing, but uh, uh, but you get you know what the band went through. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty comprehensive, and I, uh, as I recall, I liked it a lot. Uh, next book is Foundation by Isaac Asimov. There's this Foundation series. I've read everything except for the two. Uh, there are two books that are prequels to the Foundation series. I haven't read those, but the first book, I just like the way Asimov wrote the, the, the story of the future and, and, and traveling through, through space and how in a plausible, scientifically plausible sort of way. Uh, I just liked how he did it. Um, and I found the books entertaining. Uh, the Demon Haunted World, Science as a Candle in the Dark by Carl Sagan. This is an excellent book to start with if you're thinking of trying to become more skeptical. It's an excellent book to go with. Uh, Flim Flam by James Randi is also a very good book. Why, Why People Believe Weird Things by Michael Shermer is also a good book as far as getting the skeptical uptake. Um, yeah, even though Michael Shermer may not be everybody's cup of tea these days. But, hey, you know, anyway. Um, it's the artist, not the art. Or the art, not the artist. I don't know. Uh, and finally, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows by J.K. Rowling. Rowling, sorry, J.K. Rowling. I went with that one, even though I enjoy thoroughly enjoyed the entire series. But that book in particular, um, I, I came to the series after the entire thing was already out in book form. I think there were even some movies had been put together by then. Uh, and I. Um, read through them and I enjoyed each book and but this one this is the one time that I remember reading a book and I got to a point where I cannot stop reading this it it, it got to the the conclusion in the book the, the the battle between the death eaters and Lord Voldemort and 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 the good guy witches and wizards and Harry Potter and all that kind of, you know all that all that stuff I just I, I got to a point where I just could not stop reading it actually happened, and I and I and I was up till like two in the morning, and I finally finished the book. And I was no longer working at the silk screening shop that I had worked at, uh, but the uh, art director that I worked with, she was big into these books. So I think I called her the next day, and I said, "I just finished the Harry Potter series," <laughs> and I knew she was into it, and and I think she was aware that I was reading it. And I said, I just finished it. I needed to talk to somebody. And then uh, not not long after that, uh, my wife read the series, and she was just really you know, taken with them as well. It's an excellent series, great books, a lot of fun, and all that. Now, I invited seven people to um, you know give lists, and uh, uh, one of them, I decided to be a little, you know, give them the little bit of a needle because uh, this particular person um, um, does audiobooks. He does the audiobook route, and and I and I kind of said, you know, he considers, you know, audiobooks reading. You know, but uh, so I, I put that in the in the little, the little snarky comment there, in there, and another fellow came along, I'll call him Tim, because that's his name, and he said in my, in the comments on Facebook, he said, oh, uh, <clears throat> but before I get 
any uh, too too much farther, I, I I have to play this. And now it's time for a Dimland Radio pedantic moment. Yeah, this ought to be good. Yeah. Well. Okay. So, uh, Tim wrote. Why read with your eyes like a sucker when you can read with your ears? And then uh, another friend chimed in before I had a chance to. Uh, I'll call him Douglas because that's his name. He said, uh, that's called listening. All right, now we're going to get into splitting hairs. What's the definition of words and stuff? Well, that's what pedantry is. (laughs) It's, It's a bit of splitting hairs. Is it not? I think it is. Uh, Tim responded, Is reading Braille just called touching? Nope. Thus, audiobooks are reading. I can win any pedantic fight. (laughs) That's when I got in there. Uh, Nope. Uh, Because someone reading Braille is reading. If a blind person records an audiobook using Braille, and I listen to that audiobook, the person recording the book is reading, and I'm listening. See, see, you know, it's just like it's a, uh, it's the, the the English it's the it's it's a deficiency in English because you don't have quite have a word. You well, okay. And then I said, then I told him, leave the pedantry to the prose, young fella. But Tim chimed back in. Says, I think a person that reads an audiobook ends up with the exact same outcome as the traditional reader. And then he tells me to quit judging people from being for being different from me. <laughs> I said, "Oh, great! Now I can't judge." Well, uh, and then we, you know, we were we were we were teasing back and forth, and he sent me a private message saying, "We are fun." And I said, "Yes, we are." Now, I knew he was needling me, and I'm needling back. But you see. It's if you're you're listening to the book, you're not reading the book. The reading is the the is an action. It's its own action. So I came up with this uh, uh, this analogy. Let's say Tim and I are going to uh, go to the store, and uh, we're going to take Tim's car, and Tim's going to drive. So we hop in the car. And we get to the store. Now, we both have the same outcome. We both arrive at the store. But only one of us drove. And that's the same, I say, that's analogous to an audiobook. The person that's recording the book, let's say uh, I'm listening to the audiobook series of Harry Potter books that was uh, that was recorded by... Uh, Stephen Fry. I believe Stephen Fry did them. Uh, if, if he didn't, let's just pretend he did. I think he did. Um, let's say that I'm listening to that. Now, Stephen Fry, as being the, the talent that is uh, 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 recording the book, he's reading it. He, when he gets to the end of it, he has read the book. When I get to the end of listening to it, I have listen to the entire book. We've arrived at the same place. We've both consumed the information, the story within that book. But only one of us read 
the words, read the book, while the other listened. Tim and I drove. Tim and I went in the car to get somewhere, but only one of us drove the car, while the other rode in the car. We still get to the same place. It's just, it's, you know, one person did, a, you know, a little different action or or more action for the purpose than the other. But you still have the book in your brain. <laughs> so, but it's just, you know, splitting hairs. That's what it is. It's just splitting hairs. Okay, I've got three cool things before I have to, uh, uh, before I have to wrap up the show. And much like the uh, the last show that I did with the, uh, the news segment, um, all these cool things are going to have to do with uh, my favorite band, uh, uh, the Who. Uh, it was today. I record this on uh, December six, the, the day before the day that will live in infamy, uh, or at least the the date. You know, yeah, December seventh. You know, anyway. Um, the Who released uh, their fru- their first studio album in thirteen years. Uh, in two thousand six, they released the album Endless Wire, and prior to that, it was uh, nineteen eighty two. When they released "It's Hard," and then uh, then they broke up for a while. Um, it's good. <laughs> uh, the first three tracks that you hear on the album, which is simply titled "Who," uh, the first three tracks were the songs that dropped early before uh, you know, before the full album come out. Come out. Uh, there are some tracks on there that uh, are interesting. I won't go into all the details and everything. Uh, there's one slight, uh, slight thing that has me going, uh, and that is uh, the deluxe version of the album has. Uh, it includes three bonus tracks, and those three bonus tracks are all sung by Pete Townsend. One of which, did I write the name of it down? Got Nothing to Prove, that's the name of the song, was an old demo, an old demo that Pete did way back when. So the vocals on there are a young Pete Townsend, and then they fleshed it out with uh, other instruments and such uh, for, the, for, this, for this album. Uh, but the, the thing that's the slight drawback for me is that there's a couple tracks on there, and I've only listened to the album like, I don't know, three or four times now, um, there's a couple tracks on there where, where when Pete is singing, it sounds like his vocals are auto-tuned. Uh, especially the the last track on the deluxe edition, the, 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 the third bonus track. Lots of auto-tune going on there. I think it's done for an effect, not to fix up his bad vocals. But I think the other song might be to fix up bad vocals. I don't know. And I don't generally like the auto-tune thing, so... Uh, that knocks at least half a star off the album. It is, it's good. Uh, it'll get better as I get to know it. I'm sure. Uh, it's not what Daltrey had said. Their best album since Quadrophenia. Um, that's. Uh, I don't think I, I. It you know, Who by Numbers is a pretty damn good album. Uh, Who Are You isn't. Uh, it's a little uneven. But I think it's a it's it's a still a good Who album, uh, as well as it's hard, and, or uh, yeah, it's hard with their last album. But then the one in between there, uh, Face Dances. I think these are good albums. Um, not the greatest Who albums, but uh, not as great as Quadrophenia. But neither is Who. Uh, 
Uh, the second cool thing is that documentary I mentioned in the news bits uh, uh, from a couple weeks ago uh, has aired, and it is available on YouTube. It's the documentary about the tragedy of December 3rd, 1979, in which there was a concert uh, given by The Who in Cincinnati at Riverfront Coliseum, uh, I think that's what it was called, uh, in which uh, 11 kids died from being crushed. Uh, for, uh, you know, they, they, just, they just could not breathe um, because the crowd was trying to get in for the uh, festival seating, which means first come, first serve. You get in there, you get as close as you can get to the States. There's no assigned seating. And uh, that documentary is out, and uh, you can watch it. And I think it's done really well uh, for local television production. Local new television news station produced it. I think they did a nice job of uh, blending in the survivors and you know, explaining what had happened there and then talking to the WHO, uh, Roger and Pete, and their manager, Bill Kerbishley, who, by the way, when you look at Bill Kerbishley, that is a guy that you do not give shit. <laughs> <laughs> you do not give him a, a rough time because uh, he can. I'm sure he could put you down easily. He looks like a, a tough guy. He's got a heart. He seems, you know, pretty cool, uh, especially when he talks about this, this, you know, what had gone on there and how it had affected him. But boy, I tell you, that guy looks like he could. He could. He can handle himself. That's what he looks like to me. Um, and then the, the third cool thing that I have is that um, toward the end of the documentary, the reporter, who was a woman who was from the little town that's, that's, that's near Cincinnati, uh, it's, it's called Finneytown. There was a high school there where three of the victims were killed. Um, and there's a memorial in the, in the school for them, and there's a scholarship fund that has been... Um, uh, 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 that has been... Um, enacted uh, in, in, to, uh, in honor of these three students that had died. And it's a three, you know, three students each year will get a scholarship to, you know, to go on to into the arts or music. And uh, the Who had given some money to for a, a, an in the school memorial of a like a, um, a shadow box kind of table sort of thing, which has items from these kids. Um, you know, it's just to show that they were alive and they were people. And you know, and uh, toward the end of the documentary, the woman who is uh, she's an anchor for this for this uh, station, she's interviewing these guys. She does bring up you know the fact that the Who have never played in Cincinnati since this tragedy. So that's forty years, and they've not been back since. She's saying, do you think it's time that the Who come back and play? And Townsend pretty much emphatically said, yes, we sh we should. And uh, you know, give proceeds to the scholarship fund and all that. We should do it. And uh, and this is spoiling just a little bit uh, of the documentary. She then talks to the manager and she says to him, she says, Pete wants to do it. And the manager smiles. Says, he does. Oh, well, then all right, we'll we'll do it. And the cool thing number three is they've announced that on April twenty third, twenty twenty. The who will play in Cincinnati, not at the same venue. The manager made it quite clear that he did not want to play that venue again. He said too many memories will come back from it, but uh, they will be playing again, and part of the proceeds will go to uh, benefit uh, that uh, scholarship fund uh, out there. So that is pretty cool. I hope you've had at least three cool things happen for you this week. Good night, our doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. 
Well, come to the end of another show. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been trying to fight the sniffles <laughs> this whole time. So uh, I should get out of here. So be skeptical and extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. You've been listening to Dimland Radio and the ZTalk Radio Network. And I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons, reminding you to sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for, for tuning us in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Wow. Well, well, I'm going to hell. Behave yourselves. Because Santa can still look into his magic snowball and see just what you're up to. And now that you know all about him, you can be darn sure that comes snow or high water, Santa Claus is coming to town. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not.